Secretly recorded from deep inside the bowels of a decommissioned missile silo, we bring you the man, one single man, who wants to bring light to the darkness and dark to the lightness. Although he's not always right, he is always certain. So now, with security protocols in place, the protesters have been forced back behind the barricades and the blast doors are now sealed. Without further delay, let me introduce you to the host of HUTCAST, Mr. Tim Hutner. Thank you, Sergeant at Arms. You can now take your post. Welcome to HUTCAST. On this glorious day of 7-24-2022, we have a special guest remote via his phone, and we're going to have some conversations about some pretty in-depth subjects here. Dr. Artis is a, what should we say, world-renowned kind of guy, and I can't wait to pick his brain and find out where he's at and see what he's got to say. So stand by for HUTCAST. We will be back momentarily. Need a quick, healthy boost to start your day? Dry Superfuel. Superfuel by Casmo is loaded with vitamins and healthy ingredients that will give you a quick, healthy boost. Make Superfuel a great-tasting, low-calorie addition to your daily regimen. Order Superfuel at www.superfuel.me or call 833-FUEL-X-12-F-U-E-L-X-12 or 833-383-5912 Super Fuel Welcome back to HUTCAST As I said in pre-roll, Dr. Artis is here and he's got some information Are you there with us, Doc? I'm there with us, with you, buddy Tell, tell us who and what you are and how you got started in this in this business Yeah, thank you um, My name is Dr. Brian Artis I live in Dallas, Texas uh, my wife and I have eight children. There's a beginning intro for you. Uh, we are a blended family, which is phenomenal. I've got five. She's got three kids. I am a retired chiropractor, acupuncturist, and nutritionist. Had multiple clinics in both Tennessee and the state of Texas. Sold both of those uh, in 2018 was my second one. Uh, and then went off and set up nutritional companies online using a lot of the things I learned throughout practice for 20 years. I specialize in reversing autoimmune diseases. Doing things like detox, dietary counseling and coaching, homeopathics, uh, that's what I did. Uh, we were very successful doing that. Had uh, 16,000 patients from 16 different countries coming to our practice in Frisco, Texas for 10 years. That was a pretty phenomenal experience and ride. And then I wanted to take those principles I'd learned and used individually and with families in my practice and actually educate massive amounts of people hope, hoping to do that through uh, online presence and through a podcast show I created called The Dr. Artist Show, and then educate and inspire people that they can improve their health, even naturally, in most cases. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I do. And uh, Dr. Artis, A-R-D-I-S, is that correct? That is correct. Dr. Artis Show, what, what formats are you on? Are you on pretty much all of them like everyone else is? Uh, yes, I'm on, uh, actually, all of mine live on a platform called VocalNow.com. Vocal is with a K. V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com, but we're also on Rumble, and we're we're all over the place. We post some things on Facebook as long as they don't kick us off, uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm interviewed all over the world on everyone else's platforms also, but I do have my own weekly podcast, and it's also on Brideon.tv, live every Wednesday morning, 10 Eastern, uh, 9 Central Time in the morning. I see. Are you, are you finding that you're having issues with the uh, censorship? Um. We are always constantly battling censorship, Um, not particularly on my platforms that we are primarily on because they are censor-free and we have our own servers. But uh, anything that's mainstream would be Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, They've they've actually challenged and kicked us off of those things multiple times. you got to wonder how they want us to be podcasters, be in their service, and then they want to crush us every time they can. It, it appears there's a narrative specifically they want to crush, which is uh, anything outside of the accepted, casted narrative for the majority of the mass media. So anything outside of that, which is odd, you would think in the world of free speech, particularly in the United States, you would think that would be something we would have respect for and honor for. But 
big tech has been allowed to censor and has been motivated and paid to censor certain material they don't want the world to know, which is unfortunate. We've done a really good job, though, I'd say. Uh, The more they've tried to censor, uh, it has been a massively impressive effort, and I cannot believe the the actual space in which we have actually been able to move into that allows people to find us. It has been pretty, pretty harrowing of an effort on so many people that uh, want to share truth, knowledge, warnings, freedom, and hope. Right. So everybody's got a mental currency, I call it. This mental currency is what possesses you? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, those who know who I am, anyone that's listening here will know me as either the remdesivir guy, which is a drug being used in all hospitals around the world now for COVID. I was the one that was the whistleblower, basically, they call it, on exposing Anthony Fauci's lies about its safety and effectiveness against viruses before the pandemic. It never was proven safe and effective. So I've been very, very uh, aggressive and relentless on making sure the masses were warned not to go to hospitals and trust early treatment. Mm-hmm. And it was a setup. Well, the reason why that was so uh, heavy on me, why it was I felt so sparked and energized to do this, and I have not stopped for two years plus now, is because I. it's usually people ex- have an experience of their own, and when they witness that, they're then moved to act. In my case, it was my father-in-law. His name was Weldon. In February of 2020, before COVID was in Texas or was diagnosed ever in Texas, Mm -hmm. it happened to be two weeks after this when COVID was first found in Texas. But two weeks earlier to that, my father-in-law walked into a hospital in Dallas, Texas, complaining of fever and a headache. They diagnosed him with the flu, admitted him overnight. Next day, he was diagnosed with pneumonia. The third day, we're we're told he has acute kidney failure. And then on the fifth day, they say his acute kidney failure is so severe that he's gone unconscious and now has to be put on forced air to be able to breathe. Oh, boy. And that's when I went up to the hospital. That's when I found out a drug they were actually giving him since day one is called vancomycin. So I let them know that uh, they needed to take him off that drug. They knew that that drug caused acute kidney failure. They, I told them to take them off that drug. They met with the administrators, their team. They did take them off of it. I asked them to show me all the x-rays, all the blood tests, and all of his medication schedule, only to find out he actually did, never tested positive for the flu or pneumonia on day one or two. He actually tested negative for both. And then I found out he wasn't on any diuretics to get water out of his lungs. That's called pulmonary edema which they had misdiagnosed him with pneumonia when they were actually flooding his lungs with his own water by shutting down his own kidneys and they were drowning him to death. So when we got a Lasix, which is a diuretic into his body within five minutes of me being there meeting with the doctors, they put him on Lasix over a four hour period. He actually urinated out 20 pounds of water. He then could breathe on his own, all signs, symptoms of pneumonia disappeared within four hours in the fifth hour the respiratory therapist came in evaluated his lungs and found there was zero pneumonia sounds gurgling uh, crackling of any kind he was so convinced that he took him off the forced air and said do you mind if we turn off the air and see if he can breathe on his own this is the first time in five days he hasn't had any uh, crackling or pneumonia sounds and we said of course take him off so they took him off He breathed on his own totally fine, maintained his own normal oxygen levels. The hospital administrators, two hours later at 9 o'clock, back to the old protocol he was on before I, Dr. Artis, got them to change him. And my wife was super upset, started crying, asked them why they would do this, and they made up something like this. Well, we're worried that the Lasix drug that has gotten all this water out of him, and now he can breathe on his own, we're worried that that drug might cause worsening acute kidney failure. Now, this is absolutely absurd. It would, doesn't even make any sense. The Lasix actually made his kidney start working. They had refused to give it to him for six days. So we had actually exposed the liability of the protocols the hospital was standing behind. So when we challenged them to change it and it made improvements to his health, there's all of a sudden this massive um, awareness by the hospital 
that they are exposed now to litigation or a lawsuit or complaints. And so they actually permanently banned what we made changes to and then went back on the old protocol that was actually killing him. Now, I went up the very next morning, refused to ever talk to me again. It would only talk to my wife's family. From there, they told my wife's family that within three days, uh, their dad was going to have to be put on palliative care, and he most likely will not survive. So we need to help him transition peacefully without pain on an excess of morphine, which is exactly what they call palliative care in hospital jargon. And that's exactly what they did. Three days later, after they kicked me out, they uh, convinced the family to put him on a morphine drip. And I watched him take his last breath. My wife asked for their approval to let me come up and watch this. Uh, That's actually what sparked all of this. I was furious. I'm sure I experienced some post-traumatic stress knowing that just euthanized my father-in-law in in front of my whole family, lied to my whole family, uh, belittled me, um, refused to follow through on the protocols. We as a group decided it was best for his care that they made changes to, only to abandon those changes and continue to hurt him, refuse to feed him, never put him on food in the last five days, uh, never would agree to. Anyway, it was a horrible setup uh, that ended up in his death tragically. Uh, Three months later is when I read Anthony Fauci's memo about the hospital protocol he had established for COVID-19 hospitalized Americans, and that's when I lost it. Uh, That's when I felt this burning like lightning bolt through my body. Literally, I was at home reading his memo on the NIH's website about this experimental antiviral drug called remdesivir that, by the way, was never FDA approved because it failed five trials, human trials. It was actually the most deadly drug in multiple trials for several years, so the FDA never approved it. This drug was the one he selected. And when I read the research studies that he was referencing were giving him this knowledge to proclaim it is safe and effective against coronavirus, uh, that's when I actually hired a publicist. I actually spent my own money just Mm. to get in the media for four months. I did 40 to 50 interviews every week from May of 2020 until October. And it was all about remdesivir, 24 hours a day. I couldn't stop. I was just educating people that he's lying. Uh, This is a great setup. Do not go to the hospital. Trust early treatment. And, uh, Anyway, it's been a whirlwind since then. Four four months of that, I then stopped and felt like my conscience was clear and there was enough interviews out there to establish the narrative and the warning. And then within one week, uh, an international lawyer named Dr. Rainier Fulnick, uh, he contacted my wife through Facebook and said, I've seen his interviews in the media. We need to depose him. He's, he's created what's called the German Corona Foundation Committee. And they were working on building a case for what they call the Nuremberg 2.0 trials. Mm. And they have have a thousand lawyers, 10,000 MDs, all a part of this group. And they asked to depose me with all of the research and data that I had on remdesivir. And I touched on the vaccines too that were forthcoming in the next months. I already knew it. And uh, it has been a uh, whirlwind ever since. I mean, that had 10 million views in several hours and just went around the world. And uh, the warning got out, which was great. So it was to try to protect as many lives as possible. And I think we've actually achieved a massive amount of success with our efforts, no matter how much they've attempted to censor us. I mean, I've been fact-checked all over Associated (laughs) Press, USA Today. They've all written articles on me trying to uh, dissuade the public from the belief, the published belief that remdesivir causes acute kidney failure. And I just keep throwing out the research studies that prove it. So that's what's really given me the, the mental currency to continue going is uh, is absolutely trying to protect as many families around the world from experiencing what my family experienced with a hospital protocol, with administrators who obviously did not care about the life of the individual more than they cared about their own uh, career, their own careers, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, they're, what they feel threatened by, but... Uh, anyway, uh, hiding behind a protocol, not willing to practice medicine and make adjustments uh, has just been very upsetting to me. And this isn't a new thing. This just happened to be very personal in the hospitals. And I absolutely believe if I wasn't allowed to witness my father-in-law walking himself into a hospital 
and then experiencing what he did in nine days and what I experienced in that hospital and was able to review in his case, make changes, see improvements, and then them deny those changes. Oh, I believe God allowed me to witness that so that I could read three months later what Dr. Anthony Fauci was going to do with this drug with all hospitalized Americans for COVID. And that's really how it has felt. It's really how it's portrayed to me. I spend every weekend now either in state capitol buildings in different states testifying to senators, legislators, with the likes of Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Carla Dean Graves. I mean, we're all over the place. Right. Trying to educate more and inspire everybody and then try to bring some uh, some liability back to the medical boards and the pharmacy boards in each state. So that's what I spend a lot of my time doing and speaking in front of audiences almost every week. I was at a great event this weekend, or this week actually, Tuesday night, spoke in Huntington Beach, California. Had a great crowd out there. And uh, anyway, it's been a, a very massive effort to try to educate and inspire. And I just feel this calling to do so because as an older brother of five kids, me, I was the oldest of five, I still have this weird sense that uh, I need to try to protect my innocent brothers and sisters around the world who are being taken advantage of being lied to being coerced and bullied. And I just don't, I don't like people being treated that way. Mm-hmm. Never have, especially the innocent. Well, up here in Minnesota, we are a, unfortunately a democratic state, which I don't know how we got there, but we're not, we're not as red as we should be. We have the same type of uh, weirdness going on with the state. Now, we have a bill introduced in the state of Minnesota Senate. It's called the William Shakestead Advocacy Bill for Patient Rights and Family Rights that made it to the Senate floor. didn't pass, but we're going to reintroduce it as something else, which holds doctors, well, not so much doctors, but healthcare providers to the pin on this. I mean, there's no, hey, we're not going to do this because we already have a right to try a state act, but they didn't enforce it. So adding another tweak to the bill is just going to get them upset. Are they doing that where you live? Are they doing that where in Texas, are they doing that where you live, where they, they've got some legislation going, where they're actually setting policy on, on patient rights? There have been, the World Health Council is based here in Texas, and we've been working very hard with Senator Bob Hall and others to actually get just what you're talking about put in place. Hmm. Patients' rights restored. Dr. Richard Bartlett's been a great effort in that behalf also. He's here in Odessa, Texas, in the RDOC, and we have all been massively working to get that done. Wow. So it's a movement but there's, there's you know, one state's not talking to the other. Is, is that what I'm kind of getting at? I mean, we, we have all these movement guys, these grassroots guys, these these professional doctors like yourself that say, hey, we see this, we do this, but here's what we want to do. But there's no continuity between all the states. How, oh, how could we do that? That, is, that has been a very massive problem, actually. Uh, if we could all be united as states and converse with each other, it would be way, way more effective and way more powerful, actually. Instead, instead we're finding it's individuals, grassroots organizations, like you mentioned, uh, in individual states, and we're hoping that it bleeds over as we continue to, uh, we as the professionals showing up there, doing the educating and warning and presentations, we're hoping we can get to enough of them, but it would be great to do it as an entire group. I mean, there's been rallies that went to Washington, D.C., where there's representatives of all states supposedly there in D.C., but there's not a massive attendance. In fact, only one senator from Wisconsin showed up to hear the second opinion, and they were all invited, and that was uh, just Senator Ron Johnson. So uh, it's been a a massive uphill battle, and you're right. It's amazing to see just how democratic it's become uh, and how less red it is, it appears, of any kind. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just been disgusting to watch individual human beings liberties and freedoms even in the world of health and medicine in healthcare in general has just been destroyed ignored um okay it's been held captive to their will well let, let's we're 17 minutes and 52 seconds into this first segment we got to take a break but how about in the next segment we start talking about how our medical system has been castrated that's not like a plan to you I would love it. Okay. Hutcast, as I mentioned, we're 1720 into this segment. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two seconds, so stand by. Now a word from our sponsors. Today's sponsor in part by Excel Roofing. Excel Roofing. They do it all. Roofs, siding, 
framing. You need a house? Give Excel a call. I've used these guys personally in the past, have a professional crew, they're conscious of your job, and they want to produce the finest quality of craftsmanship available. Excel Roofing, 763-712-0757. Again, 763-712-0757. Excel Roofing, Dayton, Minnesota. Welcome back to HutCast. Dr. Artis has uh, given us as wonderful as time today, and we've talked about the last segment, how the medical system has been castrated by big tech, big pharma, big government. And, and Doc, would you chime in on that for just, just a second here and tell us what your thoughts are? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a few things that has become very obvious, especially to the medical and health professionals. If they weren't, if this wasn't so blatantly obvious before, it is very much so now. But there have been lots of us talking about this problem in, in medical health care systems for the last 20 years at least. One of the downfalls in the medical profession, I believe, that have actually ruined medicine for the practitioners and those who have wanted to truly be in a career where they could be allowed to help people. They have now been castrated, they've now been stripped, and they're now enslaved into a process, a process and a system in which they actually tell you through electronic digitizing of records and of medicine. They are now told that when they go and put in a computer, this is what I diagnosed the patient with. Let's just say it's pneumonia. The actual software system in the computer tells the doctor what to treat them with. This is problematic for one of two reasons, and people knew this coming. They knew the electronic records for medicine yeah. was a big problem because it was going to strip doctors' ability to practice medicine. Mm. Practicing medicine is, I'm going to give you this based on your medical history and me knowing you the last 20 years, Mary. Take this medicine, report back to me in a week, and let's see how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. When they come in, they say, this isn't working well for me, doc. I'm getting diarrhea and rashes. And then the doctor would go like this, okay, great, we're going to stop that one. Based on our experiences in the past and you know you will, let's try this one. I think you're going to do better. And then they do. They do better. The problem is when you take that away from the doctors and you now publish electronic records that tells you, based on that diagnosis you just punched in, the pneumonia with your patient, you can now only use this drug, this drug, this drug, this drug. You can only leave them in the hospital for this many days, and then you've got to kick them out. Oh, I'm not joking. They do this. The protocols for your patients are established. Your job is to just follow what it says. If you don't follow what the computer tells you, then the bosses of yours, medical doctor, nurse practitioner, surgeon, if you don't follow what that says, your bosses are the administrators of the hospital. You are their employee, and you will be fired if you don't follow what it is they tell you. So on the fear of grounds of termination, you follow our protocol, not your training. That's exactly right. And that's really been a hard thing for many, many medical doctors that I've known for over 20 years now in my professional career. Of course, I'm the chiropractor, but I know tons of medical doctors. There's a second thing that is a major problem that has castrated the medical profession and medical professionals, and that is healthcare insurance. These corporations have been taking away medical doctor's ability to practice, taking it right out from underneath them, and they have been told by their patients when they write a prescription or a therapy, this is what we recommend, when the insurance company comes back and tells the patient, we will not fill that prescription or pay for it, you have to go get something else. The patient is then left to go back to the doctor to say, my insurance company won't fill that script, when in reality, the insurance company doesn't know anything about your health doesn't know anything about your medical history. The, the health care insurance companies, health insurance companies, have totally castrated the medical profession by allowing them to be the practitioner and tell the doctors what they will and will not do based on coverage. And then they get the patient to demand that coverage. Well, Doc, uh, let, me, let me stop you for a sec. I, I want to make sure that everybody who's listening – understands that what I'm hearing is this isn't a Democratic Republican. This ain't a side of the aisle thing. You want fair coverage. I want fair coverage. We're not leaning this towards the blue, are we? No, we're, we're no, 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 no. We're leaning this towards the human, right? 
this is actually just ethics in medicine. When you have any organizations, it doesn't matter who they are. I'm not even talking political. It doesn't matter the okay. political stand. It is the human beings who are trained have their careers based and educations based on treating patients medically for their health. When insurance companies are telling the medical doctors what they will and will not do to treat that patient, that is castrating the medical doctor and his professional abilities. And you don't see that as a, a political gain, just a, what, a financial one? Oh, I'm just saying it is, it is absolutely a financial game. And if it's financially rewarding to one party or the other, that's for someone else to say. Oh, boy. All I know is this is a massive problem when it comes to health care. We as the United States of American citizens, we live in a country that is now listed number one in health care expense in the world every year. We spend more money on health care than any other country in the entire world, and that is consistent for the last 20 years. Okay, so There are currently 46 industrialized nations yeah. in America who spends the most, rates the lowest in infant mortality and chronic diseases. And we have the worst infant mortality in the world, but we spend the most money in healthcare. In 10 words or less, how do you fix it? If you want to know the truth, this is how I suggest you fix it. I believe that all medicine needs to be moved into the private sector, mm. and private doctors should be allowed to open their own practices and run their practices on a cash pay on time service basis. I think they need to move away from the insurance model altogether. I'm telling you, I moved away from insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, and all insurance companies that I was affiliated with in okay. my practice 15 years ago. I went cash only, and I was I had the most success in treating patients when I moved into a cash space. There was no restrictions or their expectations of an insurance company tell them what they can and cannot be treated for, can be prescribed, not be prescribed. They were able to receive the care they were investing their own money into. And they had they do not need to pay money into premiums into health insurance companies. You don't have to wait for deductibles before a dollar is sure. being paid out. Sure. That whole system is just messed up. Okay, let me pump the brakes now. We're in a society where people vote for a living. In that society, they can't afford this cash-only basis you're talking about, so they, they vote this cash basis in, and then certain parties like to give that away. How do you help those people that can't afford your cash-only basis? Because that's kind of a big thing here in Minnesota. And, and not that I'm disagreeing with you. I certainly hear you, and I understand what you're saying. However, that's a big thing. Because if your health care is shut off because you ain't voting for a living, what do you do? How do you do that? Yeah. So so here we go. Uh, this is exactly what I found. I have five children. 12, 15 years ago, I invited five different insurance companies to come to my home and give me quotes. Okay. Based on our family. The cheapest insurance health coverage came in at $12,000 a year in premiums, $5,000 deductible. Oh. And this is exactly what I said. Um, let me just ask you a question. Now you're going to tell me it's $12,000 for premiums, $5,000 before you pay a dime out. That's seventeen thousand dollars total every year. Mm -hmm. it's probably a probably a crappy plan too. Yeah, and then I went like this. Can you two? This is what I did with every single one of the health insurance reps. I said, "Can you tell me what the average out-of-pocket expense for an emergency room visit is in any hospital in this country?" Okay. And they said, "No." I said, "It's twenty-five hundred dollars." <laughs> That's the average out-of-pocket expense for me to pay for an ER visit. Even if a kid breaks a bone, it doesn't matter what it is. I said, it's $2,500 cash. I said, let's just bank on the fact, because I have a trampoline in the backyard. Oh, boy. Let's just bank on the fact one of my five kids are going to sprain an ankle, break an ankle, or an arm, and I'm going to take them to the ER. Let's say it's going to happen twice a year. Do you yep. know what my out-of-pocket expenses will be for those two visits? It would be $5,000, right, for yep. two visits. I said, now imagine if I don't have insurance, how much money I just saved all year by not paying you a premium. For your healthcare coverage. For a maybe. That's that's seventeen thousand dollars you're telling me I have to pay before you're gonna pay a dime. I said, uh, I just saved twelve thousand dollars a year. That's if I go twice every year for the next twenty years. So just so you know, I've never had health insurance coverage. I have been to the ER four times in the last twenty years. Four. Mm -hmm. And I have saved a crap ton of money doing that. Seventeen thousand dollars? 
a year on premiums for my family alone. Okay. If you took the money you were saving off of premiums on health insurance and the deductibles you have to pay before anything gets paid out, most people in America have enough money to either see a chiropractor, go see a nutritionist once a month, and have them help coach you through diet and supplementation to keep you healthy. Okay, you're talking about a, a model of young family. Now let's 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 elevate this a little. You're, you're 65, you're 67, you're you're whatever. And most states have Medicare at that point. But to the, the patients who are pre-Medicare from the 58 to 65, 64 range, who need to have a second or third job to make this happen, how, how do you say to them, you know, continue to vote red and you should still pay for it when blue is so much easier? Continue to vote red. That, that's awesome. Okay. That's, that's a great point. I'm not sure I would ever say that to them. I would just look at them and say, these are your options. You either, this is me, I'm going to tell you, you either are going to trust one of two systems. You can say it politically too. You got one of two systems. You're either going to look at the way of keeping the body naturally healthy or you're going to agree with the conventional medical model. If I were you and you were pre-Medicare aged or even pre or even in Medicare aged, I want you to know about five years ago, this guy comes in as a patient of mine. And he goes, Dr. Artis, you've got five kids. Yeah, I know you don't have any health insurance coverage. I said, you're right, I won't because I don't want to pay the premiums. And this is what they said. He looks at me. His name's John Rutz. And he goes, uh, Dr. Artis, you should probably call my office. Mm-hmm. Obama, with his Obama health care policy plan that he initiated, there's now this accidental insurance coverage where just in case there's an emergency that happens and you need surgery, like any kids break something and need surgery, sure. it will cover 100% of all expenses for your surgeries, for your medications that you need, 100% up to $25,000. And it's only for you and your six kids, me being pre-Medicare, AIDS, you and your six kids, you, it's only $112 a month. Just so you know, there's not a Medicare policy that's that cheap. Uh, no. Uh, no. Or me. So there's ways to actually get it. So I actually told him, I was like, that's a great, actually, that's not a bad deal. I'll do that. In fact, actually, when I said I had four ER visits, they all included the requirements of surgery. They were 100% covered, no deductibles, and I only paid 112 bucks a month to have this coverage for me and all my kids. But that was just for an extreme case because everything I, everything else I do for my family and my kids, all of it is using nutritional protocols, supplements, homeopathics, and dietary uh, recommendations. We don't use drugs, and if we do, they're on a very, very minimal basis, only in an emergency or acute situation, and so I don't need all that coverage. In fact, if there's one thing I can convey that everyone that's in the movement now, Peter McCullough, Richard Urso, Ryan Cole, all of us, Pierre Corey, those medical professionals, medical doctors, never knew how corrupt their industry was until the obviousness of the COVID pandemic and sham was. <laughs> right. And they were like, oh my God, I had no idea it was this corrupt. People should start. <laughs> For those of you who do not trust this pharmaceutical industry complex, I never have. So this isn't new for me. I've just been able to articulate to audiences how I would not trust the hospitals, trust early treatment. There are some over-the-counter things, but by far there's nutritional things is all I would suggest you do to beat this anyway. So for all of you in the world, 20 years I spent getting people off of drugs, helping them live drug-free and symptom-free and disease-free. And there's ways of doing that for 95% of anybody on the planet, 95% of all those that are paying healthcare insurance, on Medicare, Medicaid, being treated with drugs, 95% of you don't even need a drug. You just don't know that. Ah. You just need to be educated. You need to be inspired, coached yep. mm-hmm. on how to improve your health outside of drugs. So there's there's a philosophy there. It's either you're going to choose to be one or the other or tiptoe in both. If you are just going to be more of the natural side and trust in nat- nature and or natural therapies and modalities in the natural sure, immune sure. system. If that's your choice, that you don't want to be sitting and spending money in a carousel of a racket called the pharmaceutical medical complex. That's just that's really what a lot of people are looking for is what do we do now? How do I get out of here? And as they realize, oh, we can do all this naturally, why, why would I need drugs? And if I don't need drugs, why do I need insurance company? Well, you may need insurance from time to time. There are these policies that I carry, but I do not carry health insurance policy 
I cannot even tell you the world has no idea how much money you would save without paying health insurance, even if you got rid of it and then went into any office, any medical office, any clinic for lab testing, any clinic for radiology testing, MRI, mm -hmm. CT scan, do it next time you go in there for all of you that have health insurance. Walk in and go like this. I have my Blue Cross Blue Shield here policy, but I have a question for you. If I didn't have insurance, what would this CT scan cost me? If I just paid cash, you're going to be shocked to find out. They're going to charge your Blue Cross Blue Blue Shield policy $2,500 to $4,000 for that CT scan. But if it was just you that walked in there and said, I don't have any insurance, I'm just going to be a cash-paying patient. Right. I've done this for 20 years. They'll go like this. Well, for you, it would only be like $250. <laughs> this is not a joke. I've never paid more than $250 for a, C a, C a CT scan anywhere. And I've done like 10 of them probably for my kids and family. Just random times. Okay, let's shift gears. Canada, they have got the system that is, you can't buy insurance. It's just its just Canada. I mean, you, you, you walk in there and you get the same coverage as the pomper to the millionaire. All right. What do you say to the Canadian guys who are listening to the show? Well, ca Canadians know, man, do I love the Canadians. Laura Lynn's group and so many shows I've done up there in Canada. I love those people. And I love them all. What I've been educating them on. Yes, they have socialized medicine there. And, of course, it's got its massive setbacks, too, I'm sure. Right, right. Uh, but uh, I am not conveying that I trust social medicine, socializing of medicine. I absolutely have nonstop been educating those people there. There's been some problems in Canada. Do you know they don't even allow people to get ivermectin there? I do know That's that. That's absurd. Yep. This is, this is the severity reach, overreach an abuse of power in a socialized medicine system. They just flat out won't even let you get it. Flipping country. Nope, we're going to restrict it. At least here, people were free to either have compound pharmacies, sure. mom and pop shops where they could order their own ivermectin, make their own stuff. We have the freedom of that. But the hospital systems are more like that social form of medicine. Right. Which was all hospitals can only do this one set of protocols and yep. these protocols only. That's where I was going here. So the hospitals remind me of the socialized medicine and I do not agree with that system. There should be freedom to practice medicine, all medicine. Anyone who is restrictive, blocking clinicians' ability to use life-saving therapies or options that would be better for you genetically and your medical history and family history. They should be allowed to do that without punishment, period. But that is not how socialized medicine works. That's not how our hospital systems work. And though that is where the hospital systems in America are transitioning to. And uh, none of that is okay. And it's obvious to the medical professionals within it that there is a problem. Unfortunately, most of them are employees, live paycheck to paycheck like the rest of all Americans, and cannot stand up to their bosses because of the threat of losing their livelihood. So that that is a horrible setup. For those in uh, Canada, they know that I've actually worked to get put together advocacy teams for the patients there in Canada. Mm -hmm. We have them that are working in Canada to even help them get ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and other things that uh, they've been restricted from being able to have access to. And we've done a great job of educating them how to do things naturally, early treatment-wise, what are the most proven options in relationship to this pandemic and other issues to keep them outside of the medical clinics or the hospitals there in that socialized medical system. Okay. Wonderful answer. 18 minutes, 28 seconds into this second segment. Let's figure out a exit plan here for the show. What is your biggest, the thing that you want people to know and get across in a nutshell? Oh, are you ready? You go right ahead. All right. So uh, you let me know when we're recording or I'll just give you my answer. It's going to be. <laughs> We've been recording. <laughs> is this recording? It is. Okay. All right. So the number one thing I want to get across right now, what are we still hearing about Worldwide, you're hearing about new variants of COVID-19. Yep. My whole goal is to warn you, educate you, and then give you hope. The hope you're going to have articulated to you in all the mass media right now is the hope that in this coming fall, there is going to be an Omicron-specific COVID-19 vaccine booster. So I am here to educate you. Number one, this last week. John Hopkins University's Medical School. One of their professors, Dr. Anna Dublin, 
She publicly came out and said, it was written in Medscape.com's journals, she said in her interview that this Omicron variant BA.5 does not cause more serious illness. We are not seeing increases in death with this variant, and it appears that our immune systems are able to handle and eliminate this variant from the body. And then she said, this variant, Omicron BA.5, does not appear to be divergent around the immune system. Now, this is her article, but you're hearing in the media how super infectious it is, how problematic it's going to be, and it's going to be worse in the fall. Yeah, yeah well, sky's falling. I just want you to know her very last statement after saying this does not increase illness, does not increase death, this, and our immune systems can handle it, her very last statement was this. We do have some good news. In the fall, we'll be coming a new COVID-19 variant Omicron version of the COVID-19 vaccine booster that will help to prevent serious illness and death. And I remember thinking, why would you even say that? You already told us this variant doesn't do that. Right. This is the double speak, double talk that they have to sell you, that there's hope. Even though they don't know how dangerous it is now, even though they tell you it's not dangerous and they're not seeing increases in death, you need to be looking forward to a vaccine. This would be the message I want the entire world to know. We already know how to beat COVID. Any variant of COVID, you do not need to wait for a booster. The boosters has failed. Let's give you some stats out of Canada from last month. June 6th through June 12th, it was reported in Canada. Of the people in that week, 17,900 people were diagnosed with COVID in Canada, the whole country for that week. 95% of them were all vaccinated. Ah, okay. 65% of them were quadruple vaccinated. Oh, boy. Four times the charm, right? Now, how about the 521 people who died in that week from COVID, supposedly, in hospitals in Canada? 93% of all of them were fully vaccinated. Well, maybe on a different show, we talk about the way that these booster shots, these chemicals that they're putting in our body are creating more of a problem sometimes than a help. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about what hope we're going to give them right now because we don't have to worry about the vaccines. <laughs> ready? This is the, this is the hope. It's going to be super easy. You ready? Go ahead. All right, so here's the hope for Canada and the rest of the world. All countries listening to this, please know this. There is a solution to all COVID-19 spike proteins. It's infectious disease and it's respiration failing symptoms and side effects. French researchers in April of 2020 observed that there is a component inside of tobacco that is actually hindering COVID-19 viruses spike proteins from binding to ACE2 receptors that are on the top of nicotinic acetylcholine receptors in your brainstem. This is very important. The French researchers said there's a component inside of tobacco plants that is binding to nicotinic acetylcholine receptors in the brain that control breathing. The spike proteins on the COVID virus, which, by the way, the French researchers ran genetic sequences on and said they're most like two snake venom peptides mm -hmm. from the Chinese crate snake and the Chinese king cobra's venom. They said these two venom peptides bind to nicotine receptors in your brainstem. It appears smokers are the least likely hospitalized and dying from COVID. It's got to be the nicotine that has a high affinity for these nicotinic receptors in the brain. When these venoms bind to those receptors in the brain, they suppress respiration and you become hypoxic and you can't breathe, which is your symptoms of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so what they said was in smokers, because less than 2% worldwide of COVID victims are smokers, which is weird to them. They said there is the side benefit of nicotine. All governments around the world need to look at nicotine agents like gums and patches as a cure for COVID. Oh, boy. So I just want you to be aware, all those who are worried about a COVID-19 variant right now, uh, in, in that same research article, which we've been talking about this stuff, Tim, yep. the medical profession, Canada's been restricted 
uh, ivermectin, these researchers in France, stated, one thing interesting coming out from studies around the world is that ivermectin is effective at stopping the replication of SARS-CoV-2 and stopping and halting the COVID-19 disease process. What they stated was what's interesting about ivermectin is ivermectin binds to alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptors in the brain. So just like nicotine, ivermectin and nicotine bind to these receptors. They don't allow the spike proteins that are identical to venom peptides to bind to them. And I want to explain this to people so you get it. Since I released a documentary with someone named Stu Peters mm-hmm. about three months ago called Watch the Water. Yep, yep. I seen it that. It was all exposing the venom aspect of COVID-19. And at the end of it, the antidotes I listed out were number one is nicotine, actually. And then hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, um, selenium. May I list them all out? I have to tell you. The human body was designed to have a higher affinity at certain parts of the neurons in our body to grab and hold on to nicotine, and it prefers to hold on to nicotine than anything else that's already bound to those receptors. When this documentary dropped, I have had thousands of people every week write to me from around the world who have been struggling with long-haulers COVID symptoms, who have been struggling with current COVID, like diagnosis, and when they started chewing nicotine gum or wearing a patch, within 48 hours, all their long-haul symptoms started to be either started going away or were completely gone within two days. For COVID patients who get COVID, I don't care if it's this Omicron variant or any future variants, they are weaponizing venom peptides and they target nicotine receptors receptors in the brain that suppress your diaphragm's ability to contract and slows down your heart rate, which drops oxygen levels. And you can't breathe, you'll start to develop a cough. The real agenda is to keep people poisoned, keep them sick, keep releasing variants of any kinds. They can do it in the air. I believe they're doing it through your water systems and you're drinking it, and yes, they can do that. They've been doing it for decades. But uh, if I was going to tell you there was one thing for all people around the world, if you really think you need a vaccine, I just gave you evidence that even in Canada, the more vaccines, the worse the outcomes for future COVID. If that's the case and they're going to keep telling us more COVID cases are coming, everyone needs to do something. There, Everyone needs to get nicotine gum cases, nicotine patches at home. There's two milligram tablets and four milligram nicotine gum tablets. I recommend two milligram tablets. Just save them. You don't have to use them every day unless you're currently living with long haulers COVID symptoms. You need to be doing it right away and do two, four times a day. Only chew for 10 minutes and spit it out. Do it every day until your symptoms are gone. The body has a higher affinity to nicotine and it will release the venom spike proteins. And then the symptoms will disappear. And I'm going to explain to you just how miraculous this is. People have a grave misconception around nicotine, that nicotine's bad and causes disease. There's not a single medical study ever that shows nicotine causes diseases. Nicotine isn't tobacco. Tobacco companies add chemicals to the tobacco to make cigarettes. Those added chemicals are the toxic carcinogens that lead to cancer. It was never the nicotine. Mm. But since I dropped all this information, my wife, November 2020, got COVID. She hasn't been able to taste or smell ever since. Now, I have tried everything on the planet I can think of that I thought would help heal the nerves, repair the nerves, uh, fatty acids, zinc, NAC, you name it, all kinds of supplements. Sure. Nothing in two years has worked for her. When I dropped all my Watch the Water documentary and then my interviews with Mike Adams, going over all the documents and the venom aspect of COVID, my wife did not want to do the nicotine gum. She actually thought it would be bad for her, nicotine. She just didn't want to do it. So I listened to her complain about no taste and smell. Then about two weeks ago, I said, honey, Will you just chew the gum? <laughs> just chew the gum. <laughs> Two milligrams in the morning, afternoon, early uh-huh. evening, and right before you go to bed. How'd it turn out? Three days later, all her taste and smell came back. So for two all years, she's fighting she's been this. struggling and... with this for oh, two years. Wow. So I just want you to know, it's this amazing thing that you observe. The body will actually let go of the venom and then grab onto nicotine if it finds it in its presence. And when you let go of the venom, it actually stops the paralytic effects on the nerves. 
And that's just what it does. So I actually don't recommend everybody just take it every day preventively. But if you have long hauler COVID symptoms, I've had medical doctors who can't get their oxygen level sure. daily above 92 to 94. When they chewed nicotine the first day within 45 minutes, their blood oxygen level went up to 96. And their diaphragm, they're like, oh, my God, doctors, I can actually feel my diaphragm working again. Yes, you get the venom or spike proteins off the nerves in your brain that control breathing. And then you're fine. It's, it's just miraculous. So if you want to know what the real vaccine is, get nicotine. Make sure you're taking vitamin C every day and zinc every day. Okay. For sure. Give us your rundown on how do we get a hold of this? I mean, how do we get a hold of you? Where, where do we see your books? G- give us who you are on, as far as that out in the world. The websites, phone numbers. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Great question. Uh, you can actually go to the, so T-H-E-D-R-artistshow.com. D-R-A-R-D-I-S show.com. That's primarily where everything is found. All my most recent interviews that we post and put there, there. I mean, I've probably done easily 500 interviews in the last 10 weeks after these documentaries dropped worldwide. Mm-hmm. I did not put all of them there, but they're all over the place. But uh, my personal shows, my articles, my documents, for anybody who still today has not downloaded an advanced medical directive, for physicians in hospitals. Okay. That's the first form in our resources tab. The second form is the medical power of attorney form. Everyone, 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 everywhere around the world should have these two forms filled out and notarized and have them in your uh, arsenal. Well, maybe after today's show, it'll be, it'll drop around five, five thirty ish. You can add this to your arsenal for the Hutcast. That would be great. I would love it. Okay. Anything else you want to add before we pull the pin? We are 3153. What do you uh, I just want the world to know that I love you. I will continue to research for you. And uh, you do not need to be scared. There's plenty of us out there uh, trying to bring you information, education, research that will help you make an informed decision that brings confidence without fear and confusion. Well, Dr. Artis, I, I, I very much appreciate you taking the time to be on this show. Again, it's worldwide. We are still in 51 countries, as far as I know. And with uh, 45 million followers, you guys are hearing them firsthand. Dr. Artis, thank you again for being here. You're very welcome. Thank you, Tim. And we'll catch up soon. So for Hutcast, stand by. I'll have an outro, and then we can finish up the episode. Stand by. And that's a wrap for Hutcast. Hutcast is, again, a pragmatic approach to seeing things how some people see them. If you like our show, give us a thumbs up on the Facebook site. Again, for Hutcast, thank you again. Have a wonderful evening.